hear the word of the Lord. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, we live in a crazy world, don't we? Unbelievable what's going on. I don't know if anyone saw this thing that Roger Pence sent out on robots playing sports. No one saw this? This is amazing, these quadrocopters. This guy would throw a ball and literally the thing would hover in space to get in the right direction so it would bounce on a little pad on the top of it and come back to the person every time. It's astounding, the technological process that's going on. Things that we thought were true are no longer true. And things that we thought were impossible are now possible. You know, up is down, and down is up. There's some things that naturally will always go together, right? Peanut butter and... Exactly. Berry and... There you go, okay? But some things don't. And they call these things oxymorons. I think we're in an oxymoron world. And so what I've done is done my research to try to find the best oxymorons that explain the craziness of our world. Here are some of them. You've used them, I'm sure. Number one, act naturally. How else would you act? Act artificially. How about this airline food? <laughs> That's an oxymoron. How about this? It's almost exactly right. <laughs> How about this? He was legally drunk. No, no, he was not. It's a small crowd. Or it's soft rock. I like that one. How about this? He was clearly misunderstood. <laughs> or, this is a true one here, a temporary tax increase. No such thing. Have you ever gotten some plastic glasses to drink from? Plastic glasses. This, uh, my friend always used to say this. Uh, hey, are you coming to the thing? I'm a definite maybe. <laughs> How about this? She's pretty ugly. <laughs> pretty ugly. An exact estimate. I'm terribly pleased. This is childproof, diet ice cream, and of course, number one, Microsoft Works. It's <laughs> a cheap shot from an Apple user right there. Microsoft Works. You know, some things don't go together, do they? Light and darkness, hatred and love. Opposite ends of the spectrum, oxymorons. Speech and action. And that's exactly what this writer, John the Apostle, is referring to. That our life must make sense. What is up should be up. And what is down should be down. What we say should be acted upon. If we're in light, we should love. 
And so what we display, my friends, reveals the truth of what we say. See, it's a lot easier to speak love than to actually give it. But it's what we display that speaks louder than what we say. And so we must look at our life, as the Apostle John is saying. We must look inside at ourselves and as our church before we look outside at our words. Because Christ, through His Holy Spirit, has called us to do three things. Number one, to display a new way of living. We have a new way of living. We also have a new way, point two, of loving. A new way of living, a new way of loving. And finally, a new way of remembering. See, Christ gives us a new standard of how we love. It's a better way to say it. He gives us a new proof to show we love. And He gives us the power to love. Because what you display speaks louder than what you say. If we display love, we will walk in the light. So let's look at this first point. What is the standard of love and how we are to love? Look at 1 John 2, 7. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. What is this old commandment? John actually sums it up in a different section, 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. You know, many people who are critics of the Bible try to split it in half and say that Jesus was the God of love. But God, the Old Testament God, was a God of wrath and hatred. Many people don't realize this, but the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, came from the Old Testament. We see here in Leviticus 19.18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> The Lord our God, this is Deuteronomy 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with their heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. See, hardwired into this world in which we live was love, the programming of the human race. We were designed to love one another. It's always been God's calling on our life when we are most fully human. But if you remember when sin came into the world, love was taken away and hatred came back. Remember Cain and Abel, the first two people afterwards? Do not be like Cain, John saying this in 1 John 3, 12, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. See, sin brings hatred. But God's design and purpose is to love, to love one another. But the Apostle John goes on. To say at the same time, verse 8, it is a new commandment that I am writing you which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. How can an old commandment become a new commandment? Aren't they the same? The answer is no. See, Jesus has done something with this old commandment to love God and to love your neighbor. Jesus has expanded it. What about loving my enemy? Should I love him too? Jesus says yes. What about loving people around me? Should I love them as I love myself? And Jesus says no. You should love them more than you love yourself. Listen to Jesus in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By all this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus also said there is no greater love than this, than one who gives up his life for his friends. See, it's not enough to come here to love my brother as myself. It's a new commandment because it involves all of my sacrifice, even to death on a cross. It's a deeper and newer commandment. How can we embrace this truth that the Apostle Paul has given us? He gives us two reasons. Number one, that this command is true in him and in us. See, what Jesus is, the truth of his life in him, has now in this magical, mystical way come into us. See, Christianity isn't just a philosophy. It's not something you kind of put on a bumper sticker, right? I'm going to follow this, and we'll see how far it takes me. Christianity changes us, not from outside to inside, but from inside to outside. See, I write you this new commandment because it's true, not only in Jesus, but it's true in you. To be a Christian is to be changed from the inside out. And this programming that's in us, the truth of how Jesus loves, if you look at the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a sacrificial love. It's a love that gives itself away. It's the love in our hearts, the standard that love is given. See, this commandment is new because it's true in us, but it's also true because the world has changed. Notice what it says at the end of that passage. It's a new commandment which is true in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. See, we think the world goes on and on and on. But something happens on that cross and that empty tomb that has changed the world forever. The darkness is passing away, is passed away, and the light is coming. The world, if you will, is thawing. One of my favorite scenes there in uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, remember? Father Christmas comes along, and the wild, uh, white witch goes out in search of them, but the sled gets stuck because all of the snow is thawing. There's a new life that's occurring, a new love that's not of this world. Jesus is saying the darkness of hatred and bitterness and evil is passing away, while the lightness of God's love and truth is coming forth. And that love is true in us and in the church, and one day it will be true and consummated in the entire world. There will be no hatred and anger and bitterness, for Jesus is making everything new. And so what is the standard of love that Christ is calling us to? It's risky love. It's dangerous love. It's leave everything on the map love. It's go to the cross love. This is what it means to love Christ and to love one another. As we, I, we're sending our son and putting him on a plane on Thursday, I still can't believe we're doing it. Why is my son going to the second poorest country in the world, in the Western Hemisphere? You know, if you fly into Managua, it literally is like a bomb went off. The place is filthy, it's messy, it's exactly where you don't want to go. When I walk in there, I want to go to a mall afterwards. Okay, nice and shiny. Or Atlanta. Anybody from Atlanta? It's so shiny in Atlanta, you know? It's beautiful. Nicaragua is a 
the least of the least? Where's the where's the thrust? Where's the props? What am I going to get out of this? Christ, his love is a risky love. His love compels us. It's a new command, my friends. And so we cannot forget. You know, you can know everything about the Bible. I love my PCA brethren. We love our theology. Man, we got it right. Westminster Catechism. I had to know it all. And I'm not saying anything bad about theology. Theology is critical. Theology is for doxology. To understand our God. But you can know a lot about theology and not have the love of God in your heart. You can even be a good servant and you not have the love of God in your heart. You may be able to preach a sermon with a golden tongue and move mountains with faith. But if there is no love in your heart, you've missed it. And so you and I must search our definition of love. What's my definition? What's yours? I love those who love me. And I hate those who hate me. No, I even go further. I love my neighbor as I love myself. Or is it Jesus' love? There's no greater love than him who gives up his life for his friends. And so the proof, the standard of love must be manifest in my relationships. What does your relationship look like with your wife? Your husband? I'll love him as long as he loves me. I'll love her as long as she loves me. Or is it, I'll lay down my life for him, for her, regardless of what they think of me. That's risky love. How about my children? Do I take care of them? Yeah, I feed you, I take care of you, what's the problem? Or do I give up my time? Do I sacrifice my efforts? Do I provide risky love without any chance of knowing what's in return? Christ's standard for our time and our money and our comfort and our desires is to give ourselves away. That's this new kingdom. The way we display love shows what we say. If we display love, we will walk in the light. So God gives us a new standard of love, a new command. But He also gives us a new proof of love. A new proof to show our hearts. Look at 1 John 2, 9. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Notice this. It says, whoever says he is in the light. It's a participle, so it means whoever is saying he's in the light. It's an ongoing commentary of, yes, I see. I have it together. I know God. Whoever is saying, I know him, I'm in the light, but is hating his brother. Participle. Notice He's saying this, but he's hating here. Not a one-time thing. We all get angry, don't we? We all boast. No, this is a pattern and a behavior. Whoever's hating his brother is walking in the darkness. Now, we have to ask the question, who is my brother? Remember the, the Good Samaritan? Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. The person, the, uh, the teacher of the law, he didn't say, and who is my brother? He said, who is my neighbor? You remember this letter, 1 John, is being written to a church. Could have easily have been read in this church as anyone else's. Who is my brother? Who is my sister? Look to your right. Look to your left. It's the family and the fellowship that have come together. 
This is our brother. Whoever saying he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness. In the darkness is where God's presence is not. It's interesting, you know, people ask the question, is there a hell or not? What does it look like in hell? See several examples where Jesus commands that those who are disobedient be thrown outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, Satan is the best example of saying he's in the light, isn't he? He masquerades as an angel of light. But he has no light. All he has is darkness. We go to Bald Head Island every now and then, which is down in the southern part of North Carolina. It's got some great history. One of it is Blackbeard used to use the island. And what he would do is there's this huge hill, Old Baldy is what they call it. And he would literally go up an Old Baldy dark at night and he would have a powerful lantern. And so when the ships were coming along, they would see that that was the lighthouse. That's incorrect. He would have the ship out and he would have the light here. And he would literally steer the people into the rocks. Because they saw the light and they thought it was the light that was actually steering them into the darkness. See, that's what Satan is doing. And that's what we're doing. We're plotting our path into the darkness. Regardless of what we say. But 2.10 puts it this way. Whoever loves his brother is loving his brother in the grief, abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. See, whoever is loving the person to the left and to the right, whoever is being patient with them and kind and caring and not boastful and proud but humble, whoever is seeking the good of the person around them, Whoever's doing this is abiding in the light. And there's no cause for stumbling. See, love, my friends, isn't love until you give it away. James puts it this way. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? See, it's only when we pour out our love that we can truly see the world around us. And when we can truly see the world around us, there's no stumbling. Think about how many things you and I stumble over on a daily basis. Walking along and you see this person and you envy them because of how they look or what they have and you stumble over the truth. You're stumbling, you can't see because you're so busy looking down. Or that television program which you know you shouldn't be watching. And all of a sudden, I'm stumble and I'm looking in a different place. What about the gossip that I began talking about? And all of a sudden, I stumble and I can't see the light. See, whoever hates his brothers, verse 211 says, is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. When you walk in the darkness, you have no love. You have no clue. You have no love, all you have is hatred. You ever been blinded by hatred? Interesting thing, hatred, isn't it? You get enough of it in you and all you can think of is revenge. There's that Chinese proverb, when someone plots revenge, you might as well dig two graves instead of one. Hatred blinds us. Have you ever seen an animal that hated and anger? He couldn't see anything. He can't see his brother. 
because there's red on his eyes. Rather, when he looks at his brother, he says, how, this is how you hurt me. Here's what's wrong with you. Everybody becomes a stranger, and we're spiritually lost. Help is hatred, but love is bitterness. I used to run marathons. It's one of those glutton for punishment things. And you know, the thing about marathons is as you ramp up, you have to run these long, long runs before you run the marathon. So several of the final training mile runs are 20 mile runs. And you literally have to run three hours to stay on your feet. Well, being a busy father and employee and everything, where am I gonna find three hours? And so I would wake up early before dawn came to run. And we lived on where we live about right now. And so the path, if you go down Laskin Road to the beach and you cut across and take Seashore State Park and go up shore and take Great Neck Road and you come back, it's 20 miles, okay? There's one problem. So I start out running, it's like 4.30, okay? You guys, some of you are just getting home, you know, from Shuckers or something like that, you know? But I'm heading out. And I'm going around and it's pitch dark. And I get to a place that I hadn't considered. You see, everywhere else there's light. But the one place where there's not light is Seashore State Park. It's pitch black dark. And I've got two choices. I can go around and keep going and increase my mileage to probably 27 miles, which is not good. Or I can run through the park. Now there's a path along the park. But it's covered, there's no light, and it's not a smooth path, is it? See the roots all over the place, sticking up from the ground. And so it's this decision time when I decide to go ahead and make the path. And here I am running, fearing for my life. I'm supposed to know the path, but I can't see it. And meanwhile, every step I'm lifting my feet because I know one mistake, and I'm down. And nobody's here to help me and pick me up. See, when we're in the darkness, we've chosen a path that has no light, that there's no certainty to. Indeed, we don't even know where it leads. And it's filled with branches and quick mud and logs and roots. And it will bring us down eventually. Hatred will blind us and eventually we will run into a wall. See, we have a standard of love. But Jesus is looking at our lives and we must as well look at the proof of our love. We must love like Christ and the way we show that is by loving each other. So how are we doing, Redeemer? Look to your right, to your left. These are your brothers and your sisters. You know, this is why it's so important to be a member of a church. See, a member of a church is someone that says, I'm in. I have many of you are attenders and checking out Redeemer, and you are my, I love you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's something about saying, I'm in. We're in this race together. You are my brother, you are my sister, because that love has a commitment to it. And as we see from this scripture, there's nothing casual about love. It's sacrificial. So in this membership, guess what? Darla's cancer is our cancer. Adriana's knee is our knee. Mark Roberts' mom is our mom. We are one family called to give ourselves away in a radical way. Are we doing that as 
serve you. They'll take care of you. They won't ask anything of you. It's wonderful, and it's not biblical. The scriptures govern the way we are to love, and the way we are to love is to sacrifice. Your love, my love, your pain, my pain. So we must change our perspective. We must change the way that we look at each other. We must change the value that we have for our relationships. And we must change our actions and priorities. Each one of you is my priority. And so they are for you also. What would we look like as a church if we did that? I bet people would be banging on the walls to come be a part of that. I know I would. The standard of love, the proof of love, what you display speaks louder than what you say. This brings me to my final point, the power to love. How do we love in this way? Such a beautiful picture, you know, we watch a movie and we see this sacrificial love and we think to ourselves, could I do that? And then we walk out the door and we're angry and frustrated and upset and it's all gone. You know, I've said this before, the Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. We can't live the Christian life because we need Christ. And so John in this letter finishes with these comments. Verse 12, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven. For his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you children because you know the father. You know him. You are strong in the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome. See, John is saying, this is what God is calling us to do and be. And I'm writing to you because you can do it because of what he's done in your life. See, love, my friends, is a response to God's love. I have no love to give away, save for his love that he gives to me. See, God says, let his light shine out of darkness, may his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Love is in my heart. If I give God the reins of my heart and say, allow me, help me to love in this way. Because what's true in him is true in me. But we must be reminded, because darkness continuously wants to overtake the light. The darkness is passing away. The true light is shining. We are redeemed and we are being renewed, but we are still broken. We must acknowledge that there's still darkness in us. And so what are these truths that John has given? They're the same truths that we must massage and remember and encourage one another with. One, that our sins are forgiven for His name's sake. He loved you. He died for you. He forgave you. He brought light into your life. Why? Because He wanted you. How do you know Jesus loves you? Why did Jesus come to love you? Because He wanted to. You're not bringing anything to the table aside from your sin and your darkness. But His love is real. So we must know and rehearse the fact and praise God. I love my cross, by the way. I have one of these crosses. You know, there are a lot of crosses everywhere. And some people get a blank cross, but I don't. Okay, I want to see Jesus on the cross. He's resurrected, but what I'll do is when I'm working on my computer, I'll literally take this off and I'll put it in the upper top part of my screen so I can remember that my sins are forgiven. I write to you 
Father's because you know the Father. It's in the perfect tense in the Greek. It means you know Him in a relational way. I write to you because you know the Father. You know the one that I'm talking about. You know these truths. I write to you because you have overcome the evil one. You are victorious. Satan who comes along and says, ah, you can't overcome that. He hasn't done that. The scriptures say, yes, indeed. I'm talking to you. And you've overcome him. And Revelation says they've overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. I'm writing to you because the word of God abides in you. Some of you know the story, I haven't shared it for years, about Corey Tindley. Corey was a, uh, a Christian, loved the Lord, and uh, was Jewish. And she was arrested during the uh, Kristallnacht when, uh, when the Nazis did the purge. And they took these people to Ravensbrück, to the various concentration camps. And Corey got to see her sister die. She got to see people around the horrible atrocities of what happened. And she managed to emerge, but not unchanged. But she had such a heart, the love of Christ, that she would go back into Germany and she would preach forgiveness to the people. And what she said was the Germans would be sitting all around and none of them would be looking at her because they could not believe that God would give such forgiveness. Well, one time she had finished and people were heading out. They never spoke. They just walked out. And that's when I saw him, says Corey, working his way forward. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform with a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. And it came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights. The shame I felt having to walk naked past this man. Now he was in front of me, this one, this guard, who had treated us like animals. And he said, Fräulein, how good it is to know that as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who have spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook, said Corey, rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. There were thousands of women, but I remembered him in the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I had become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein. And he extended his hand again. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I who sins again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. My sister had died in that place. Could he erase her death? And here was his hand held out. And it seemed to me hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I knew that I had to do it. The message of God calls me to love beyond myself. And so, as I stood there with coldness clutching my heart, I knew that forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the heart. Help, I pray. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arms, sprang into my joined hands, and
And then this healing word, word seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Christ gives us the power to love. The standard is not so high that we cannot raise to it through His grace. The proof of love can be found in your and my life as we submit and we raise our hand, maybe mechanically and woodenly to one another, to say, yes, I will bless you. But we must speak the gospel to one another. We must tell each one of us, day by day, your sins are forgiven. You've overcome the evil one. You know him who is from the beginning. The love of God transforms us to live the life God calls us to live. What you display at the end of the day, my friends, speaks louder than what we can ever say. So when we choose to display the love of Christ, we will walk in the light. And nothing will ever make us stop. By God's grace, let us be his people. Let's pray. Jesus, I have committed so many atrocities against you. But you said you wouldn't forgive them, but you forgive me. And Jesus, you spread your arms and in them, on the hands we see the nails, the nail holes of the cross. That your love is deeper than my sin. Your forgiveness is greater than my bitterness. You have the power to transform me and to put a risky love in me that will reach out to the person to my right and to my left. Lord, move our hearts by the hope of the gospel. Let it infuse our souls with grace that we might see the world, our fellow brother, our enemy as they truly are. That we might give ourselves away. That we might gain everything. Father, you did not come to make bad people good. You came to make dead people live. Make us alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us.